wine in the homes of God's people. Touch them, touch their families in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the life of Christ be manifested in us, in our spirit, our soul, our bodies, in our mortal flesh. Let Christ be manifested for the glory of God, for our rejoicing. I pray for the deliverance, the release, the rescue of God's people. Let the captives also be set free. I declare the lost found, the unsaved saved in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let help come from the Most High God. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy to help us in our time of need. By faith we receive. And Father, we thank you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. As we've prayed and as we've worshipped, we have what we've waited for. What we've waited on you for, we have it. Your way in us. Your life manifested in each one. In Jesus' matchless name, we declare it so. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Yes. 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 Glory to God. Amen. 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 Please be seated in the presence of the Most High God. I like that last song, uh, worship team. The Lord have his way in us. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. As we worship him in spirit and in truth, indeed, he has his way in our lives. Most of you are familiar with that word in Isaiah 40 that says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to walk, they're going to run, they're not going to faint, they're not going to grow weary. Because the Spirit of the Lord indeed strengthens them, strengthens us. And that waiting on the Lord is actually just serving Him, is ministering to Him, paying attention to Him. In a way that a waiter will wait on you in a restaurant. That's, that's the meaning. Amen. Focus on you, pay attention to you bring you what you need, what you order. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. Praise God. All right. I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. To God be glory for the great things that he has done. Amen. Praise God. So I titled this Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Really as, uh, as a follow-up to this last song, They That I Have Your Way. In me, and what I shared with you just then from Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings 
as eagles. It's talking about the lifting up of God's people by the Spirit. So, we pick up now in God's Word, Romans chapter 8. Life in the Spirit. This life is new life, you know. It's a new life that we have in the Spirit. Praise God. So much here that... I cannot share or complete in one uh, service, so you're going to have to make time to read it uh, yourself. But I will give you some cues and clues, direction, so that when you're reading, you can get the most out of it, the subject of this new life in the spirit. So... Romans 8, and for now we'll just look at verses 1 and 2. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now, so when? Right now. Amen. What we're talking about, you don't put off till the future, till you go to heaven. And God's talking about right now. Amen. Something has happened, that's why he's saying now. All right, and the part that I will tell you today, the part that you will study some more later is this. You see how it starts with therefore, there is therefore now, therefore. All right, anytime you read in the Bible and you see therefore, you ought to go back to whatever was said before the word therefore. Make sense? Just stop for a moment, go to chapter 12. Same book, Romans. Go to chapter 12, please. This is the same, therefore. You understand that we're called to study the Bible, right? And I'm a teacher, so we're studying and I'm teaching. So Romans 12, look at verse 1. From the King James Version, I'll start reading. When I stop, you can shout out the next word. When I stop reading, you can shout out the next word. Even if you are home, you can shout it out. Let's do this together. So I will read Romans 12, 1. When I stop, you shout out the next word. You'll smile, you'll laugh. Some are already laughing. So verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you. Hallelujah. <laughs> we have Jesus' team alive and well today. Give the Lord a shout. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be good. So, if he says in Romans 12, I, I beseech you, I implore you, I plead with you, I beg of you, therefore... Then that means you got to go back to 
why he's saying this. I mean, what is that statement there for? Why did he put it there? You got to go back to see why he put that there. Make sense? Amen. Now, there's a lot more when you go. What, what comes before 12? What number comes before 12? 11, of course. <laughs> All right. So, it would mean that really before you read 12, you got to read 11. Otherwise, you would not know why 12 is there for. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But this part of the study or understanding God's word, I will explain so that later on, when you are studying or reading, it will be easier for you. Are we good? Okay. So let's just read Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'll just read that, and then we're going to see why he said it. Why he said is based on what he had said in chapter 11 or whatever came before 12. Makes sense, right? And you always got to do this for yourself. When you're home reading the Bible by yourself, the moment you see, therefore, you need to what? Stop and go back and, and read whatever he was saying before that to see why this statement is there. What is it there for? Why did he put this there? All right? So we're just going to read what he wants us to do before we consider why we are to do what he said to do. Amen? Okay. So, in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that's us, that's the believers. So here he's not talking to unbelievers. This is not a message this is not evangelistic. This is not come and give your life to Christ. There are other scriptures that are come and give your life to Christ. This one is different. This is somebody who has already given their life to Christ. Right? The brethren, born again believers, the family of God. Okay, so let's read. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, or because of the mercies of God, on account of the mercies of God. Are you with me? On account of the mercies of God. So, what he's saying is that the mercies of God is what he talked about in chapter 11, or what he talked about before chapter 12. Because of the mercies of God that he's already talked about, therefore do this. So chapter 11, or whatever was before it, has to do with God's mercies. Okay, this, I, I have to do this, teach you this part. So when you go home and you're studying, you get more. Uh, just uh, bear with me for one moment. Let me see, I don't have my amplified here. It's been moved. Who moved my cheese? <laughs> so I'm going to have uh, Pastor Sandra maybe look up uh, Amplified in her device and then 4, four verse 1 of chapter 12. And then let, let's just read on. 
King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that what? You do what? Present your bodies. Your body. A living sacrifice. So it's not dead, living. Amen. The sacrifice that you give to the Lord is living. After you give it to the Lord, it will still be living. If you never thought of that under the New Testament, this is different from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when they put a sacrifice on the altar, it died. They killed it. We good? Okay. In the New Testament, the sacrifice that you put on the altar of God is not killed. <laughs> you put it on the altar of God so that God will give it more life. You learn something. Put it on God's altar so that whatever state it was in, before you put it on the altar, it gets, more, it gets charged. It gets more power. It gets more strength. It's just like your, your phone. If you use your phone after a while, it loses battery power and you recharge it. Or your vehicle. If it's electric, you got to charge it. Even if it's gas, you know, a petrol, gas fuel, you've got to add some more. Yes? After you drive for a while. Okay, so keep that in mind. The difference between our sacrifice unto God in the New Testament versus the Old Testament is that in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was killed. It died. It was over. In the New Testament, when it's put on the altar, it gets recharged. You got to remember this. Amen. New life. In the spirit. May the spirit give you a boost this morning. Praise God. You don't give yourself that boost, so don't worry about it. You just have to plug in. And the power will recharge your phone, recharge your car. You understand that? All right, if you plug your, your device into the wall. There's already power in, the electric power in there. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to beg it. You don't have to plead with it. You have to say, please get the power, get juice into my phone, get juice into my car. No, you just have to plug it in. Praise God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he himself, not you, but he himself will quicken he will make alive your mortal body by his spirit. This is, this is the new life in Christ. This new life in Christ is energized not by man, but by God. It is not by your mental ability, your physical prowess, even though it's good to be strong physically and to be smart mentally. And God gives, he makes people sharp. 
Praise God. May you never, nobody, anybody listening to me, may you never suffer forgetfulness, Alzheimer's, mental fogginess, delusion. May you never suffer that in Jesus' name. I speak that over you because you have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Satan comes trying to lie to you or attack you, you got to speak up and say, I have the mind of Christ. Praise God. Don't be saying things that people say out there in the world or at work. You know, I'm getting forgetful these days. Don't be saying that. I think it's age. Don't be saying that. With all the mistakes Moses made, God didn't write him off when he was 80 years old. God still said, my gifts and callings are without change of my mind. They are irrevocable. I, I gifted you. I called you. See, the thing with us is that sometimes we, we go astray. We walk off. I've done it. You've done it. You know, I mean, to err is human. But the thing with God is that he is constant. He knew you before you were created. He knew all your faults. He knew all your failures. He knew all you were going to do. He still said, I've called you. He still said, I love you. And in actual fact, not because of you, but because of himself. He, he forgives us for his own sake. Because <laughs> that's his nature. Praise God. That's his nature. You ever seen somebody who is philanthropic, who is given, who is just so sweet? It doesn't matter what people do to them. They're just still sweet. And then others observe them and they just can't understand. They're like, I don't get this guy. Why are they still nice to these people? It's because of who they are. You don't let somebody change you. You weren't doing it because of them. It's because of who you are. Because of who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot do anything for God to love you more. Never let anybody lie to you that you can do something for God to love you more. If, God, if you do something for God to love you more, that means if you don't do it, God will love you less. What kind of yo-yo relationship is that? He's not human. He's God. You know, like the big one. Almighty. <laughs> Amen. God's love for you is constant. His gifts and callings are without repentance. So Moses does his own thing, goes off and all that, and he's 80 years old. God still says, let's go. Let's go. And just in case some of us will forget, he wrote elsewhere and he said, even in your old age, I'll take care of you. <laughs> At 80 years old, he started his real ministry with God. I mean, it could have been 40 years earlier. We all know that. We don't waste time going to all that. You know, you know, he kind of like did it his own way, ended up killing that Egyptian, and then he got scared that Pharaoh killed him, so he fled. You know, you, you know that. Yeah. 
And I taught you in this church, several times I've mentioned this, that there is nothing new under the sun. That same story of Moses messing up when you start from Genesis, that is the human story. That, that is, there is not one person God used in the Bible that you cannot find something that they did wrong. Take David. I won't even talk about him. You know? Yeah. I mean, the first person God trusted in the garden. Look at him. <laughs> Look at him. Then God gives him a wife. You know how difficult it is to find a wife? Well, you, you, you guys don't think it is difficult, right? I, I don't mean just find any, any wife. A good one. The one I talked about last week. Of whom God said, when I'm doing a new thing, part of it is to make what has been impossible possible. Part of it is make this in a marriage relationship where traditionally and even biblically, I say that let the man, the husband, be the head in that organization, not in life, but that organization, and cover his wife, protect his wife, which is what I want, and I don't change it. He still says, when I do a new thing, when I do a new thing in the earth, I will cause the wife who, because of human brokenness, human sin, human rebellion against me, has been often mistreated, set aside, broken, rejected. I'll make her so strong that she'll be able to cover her husband. That's the kind of woman your children, your grandchildren, as they are growing up, need to meet and marry. The kind of person that that guy knows when I'm down, in case that happens and life happens, she will not beat me down and talk down to me and disrespect me, but she'll speak into my life and say, you are my man. Just imagine this. When you're going through a rough patch in your career, and the person you love the most on earth stands in front of you and says, you are my man. That alone makes a man feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm a man. And that's how we are. That alone gives him strength. Oh, yeah, yeah, you are my man. And if anybody can rise up and do it, you can do it. You're a man of God. You are the best. You are the greatest. As you're dating, see if she has that kind of attitude, that kind of character towards you and towards other people who are down. How does she talk about those who are down? If she criticizes them, she will criticize you. Don't marry her. 
But God said, when I do a new thing, I will give you a woman who can cover you. You guys need to learn a lot. Amen. You need to learn in the Bible, God says that, he says that, uh, that in the marriage, he says that a woman should cover her head. You ever read that in the Bible? Even if you haven't read it in the Bible, most of you who've been around church, churches know the religious aspect of it, that some places they make the women cover their hair. Right? It's, it's not in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. Cover your hair. But cover your head. It's in the Bible. And that changes everything. When he said, see, when I'm, I'm talking about something that's life-changing, then you old slew food, you want to mess up. Just be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. So God says, the woman should cover her head. In the context, in 1 Corinthians, he says, the woman who is married should cover her head. For the head of the woman is her husband. He didn't say cover your hair. Praise God. So go home and tell your young men, and your nephews, and your grandchildren who are that age where they're starting dating. They need to look for a woman who has the touch of God on her life who can cover them. Ordinarily, according to God, the man's supposed to cover. But he says, I'll give you an Aza, a part of me to help you. I give you a helpmate, Aza in the Hebrew, Ebenezer. You remember I taught you that before, Ebenezer. Eben is stone, Aza is help. Ebenezer, God of our help, he has brought us thus far. You need a woman, a, a partner who will bring you this far. Not pull you back. Push you forward. Amen. How she talks about people and treats other people. Not you. When, when we are dating, everybody puts up the, the nicest part of themselves. But as you, just watch how they... They talk about their parents. They treat their parents. They talk about other people. Something happened in the office and how I just cut him off, cut him down. Ah, that's a flag, red flag. When there's nobody to be cut down, it's only you. They'll cut you down. You don't need that. Jeremiah 31, 22. Religious, you know, scholars, Bible scholars have struggled with that scripture, you know, talked about all kinds of things. But when you study it, in the context of when God said, I'll do a new thing. Anytime God talks about a new thing, he's talking about his spirit bringing a transformation. And in the context of saying, I'll do a new thing, he says, I'll make the woman embrace the man. I'll make the woman turn back to the man, the, the wife in that case. I'll make her build him up. Because that's new, especially to the Jewish mind, because in their culture, it was, you know, very masculine 
uh, patriarchal society. You know, in the Bible, most of the time, women's names are not even mentioned. In the Old Testament, it's men's names that are mentioned. And in a the, in the culture like that, God prophesied to them, I'm going to do a new thing. And you're going to see women who have been weakened become strong. Yeah, do you understand that? And if you have such a wife, you should not be intimidated. You know, there are some guys who, uh, if they were married to somebody like Reverend Janice, I can mention Reverend Janice because we're all here, you know, we know her, and it's even people online. You know, she's a mighty woman of God. She's an attorney, just, just a decent person. And, you know, and, and, and you know, uh, so some guys would be intimidated by her. Honestly, there are some guys who say, like, no, I can't handle that. She's too successful. But in the Bible, I'm, I'm teaching you good, teaching you well. In the Bible, I started that last week. God says, I'll do a new thing. And in the context of doing a new thing, he says, the woman will cover her man. Amen. That has to mean that she would be so built up by God. She would become, take time to read the Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, I'm not saying this in a vacuum. God already described her. An entrepreneur. A great businesswoman loves God. Her husband is praised in the gates. She lifts him up. She boasts about him. Don't marry anybody you're dating who is competing with you. They don't understand marriage. They got a problem. If you're going to marry them, just make sure they go through a lot of counseling and it's going to take time. It's not just one counseling session. This is not, I cast the demon out in Jesus' name. Now, honey, I'm fine. No, if I want to marry you, you know, I just take the deliverance one day and I say, I'm fine. I'm not fine. According to Romans 12, they are not yet fine. Look at Romans 12. This is what makes them fine. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The changing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To change your mind about something. And for one to see that your mind is changed. There has to be a probationary period. There has to be some period where we see as we are walking together that you've really changed your mind about this. You can't just tell me you changed your mind and then there's no proof that you changed your mind. Right? There has to be a transformation to the point that 
you'd look like the difference between day and night. You're so transformed that I don't have to be afraid anymore when this kind of subject comes up that you're going to act or react the way you used to do in the past. Why? Because new life has come from the Spirit. Through what? Through the Word of God. That has removed that corruption that used to be present in your life. For the male or female, doesn't matter. The Word over time, has removed it. And now, you are actually like God. To me, you are the helper. God created you to be, to me, for me. You are, you are like God. Your nature now is divine. Your nature is not the same old you. Well, you don't know who I am. Well, who are you? Are you Satan? What are you, you know, so proud about? That you're what? You're the worst person that ever came? You're Charles Manson? Who are you trying to prove? No? The renewing of the mind through the word of God removes the corruption that used to be present in that person's life. And then new life comes. It is not through the power of the person, the mental ability of the person. It is through the spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Even if it was a stronghold, God will pull down that stronghold. If it was a barrier, God would destroy that barrier. By your God, you leap over walls. You break through a troop. Through the word of God and the spirit of God, quickening you, strengthening you. The first Adam was made a living soul. Remember, God breathed into him and he became a living soul. But the second and last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Quickening spirit. He will quicken you. He will make you alive. A woman who has been weakened, who has been set aside, God will make her alive, will quicken her, and she's going to be strong spiritually. She's going to do well in the profession. She's going to do well in counseling her children, her grandchildren. I mean, she's just going to be different in motivating the man in her life, husband, children, sons, nephews, uncles. It doesn't matter what. Yes, because what? God has done a new thing. She's indestructible. She's invincible. Amen. And for the man of God, a man who's been transformed by, by God, he will embrace that kind of a woman. He'll be attracted to that kind of a woman. Not the ones who wear the kind of shorts that they keep pulling down and it can't go any further down. Why are you even bothering pulling down? I, I never understood that, you know, I mean, growing up. This is how I've always been. Whatever I do, I go all out. Whatever, whatever I live my life, I was always all out. If we're serving the devil, well, I serve the devil. And when I changed my mind to serve God, I said, let's go. 
Praise God. Amen. So if I'm going to wear that tiny shorts, not to the beach. You all understand. I don't have to be graphic, you know, but to this other place where I know in my own mind that that is really not how I should have dressed for that occasion and that place. You know, that it does not fit. It's inappropriate, you know, or whatever. And so that is why I keep tagging on it and pulling down. I mean, why would you do that? You, you planned to do this. So go and show it all off. You will not attract a man who will cover you. No. You attract the ones who will uncover you. They'll strip you emotionally. They'll strip you financially. They will not protect you. That is not the life of the spirit. Are you learning something? What I, I just said to you about the word of God that transforms you, changes you, and removes the corruption and helps you exhibit or manifest the divine nature, it's, it's, in, it's in 2 Peter 1. You all know this. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Just very quickly, we're just going to cover that, and then we'll come back to Romans because we've got a lot to cover in Romans. I'm actually doing a, a Bible college uh, class on the book of Romans, and we're having some exciting times. All right, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. When you're there, say amen. According as his divine power, verse 3, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through what? The knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. I love this. He called us to glory and virtue. You're not called to shame. Ooh, hallelujah. May you shine so brightly. May you shine, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. May the excellency of his power be at work in you. So that God will be the one magnified and glorified for people who say God has visited this person. This is not a work of man. This is the work of God. May that be your portion. Say amen, somebody. He's called you to virtue. He's called you to excellence. In another place where we see virtue, we see virtue connected to the Holy Spirit. We're not going to turn to it, but you all know the woman with the issue of blood. When she touched the word, she touched Jesus. She was made whole. And Jesus stopped and said, Virtue has gone out of me. What's that virtue that went out of Jesus? Power. The spirit. The spirit of God went out of Jesus. Or in church we'll call that anointing went out of Jesus and made the body of that woman who had suffered for 12 years. She's losing her life because the life of a person is in the blood and she's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. So she's losing her life. She's frail. 
She's weak. She spent all her money. So financially, I mean, she's just being drained. But God said, I'll do a new thing. And a woman shall embrace a man. A woman shall cover a man. I'll make that woman strong by my spirit. So his spirit went into the woman. And Jesus himself said, it's a virtue has gone out of me. God called us to virtue. And for her to have that virtue and to show forth the excellencies of God, the virtues of God, God put his spirit in her. How do we know that? We know from Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How is God with you? By the Spirit. New life is through the Spirit. It's not through you. It's not through me. It's through the Spirit. I got born again, and then I'm struggling in my faith. Then, 10 years later, 1982, January 1982, 18 January 1982, this young man tells me about the Holy Spirit. We're standing in, in, uh, in front of our house at the gate. He's my brother's friend. And, and uh, we're talking. And I said to him, you know, this, this Christian work, it's, it's hard, man. I'm struggling. And I just feel like I need something extra. Like, because I'm doing it, but I, I just feel like I need, like, some power. And the moment I said power, man, thank God for believers who have been taught the word. The moment I said, I feel like I need like power. I need something more, something. And I said, I, I, I need power. He said, oh, yeah, there's something the Bible called the power of the Holy Spirit. I was, I was like, tell me about this. So he starts to tell me about the Holy Spirit. So today I memorize. I mean, you know, when you're hungry, you just, just soak it in like sponge, you know, just... I memorized it. I still remember. And, and I thought to myself, he was like, I was, I think, a year older than him. He, I was like, wow, this young guy is amazing. He just took me, you know, Acts 1, 8, and then Acts 2, 1 through 4. He, he's not opening the Bible. He's just talking to me. And he says, well, in Acts 1, 8, he said, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit is power. I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. Okay. And then he said, in Acts 2, 1 through 4, they were gathered in, in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit came down from heaven with a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Filled the room where they were and covered them and filled them. And they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I said, how do I get it? <laughs> I said, how do I get it? He said, well, just wait one second. And then he said, you know, this same power God gave to Jesus. And in Acts 10, 38, he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The same spirit, I'm telling you, came out of Jesus as virtue into the woman that got her healed. So I thought, hmm, so when I get this power, I can heal the sick. That seems to be like what he's saying. I can do good. I can help people. All right, tell me more. He said, actually, we got to go back in Acts 2. I was like, okay, he just talked Acts 2. So where is he going? And he said, but in Acts 2, 38, 
he said that this power is for those who believe. It's for the Jews and for their children and anybody anywhere in the world who believes. I was like, but I believe. He said, yeah, I mean, the only condition is that you have to be born again. I said, well, I'm born again. He said, well, then, you know, we just have to pray. I said, okay, let's pray. He said, okay, well, let's just go inside. We're at the gate. I'm like, I don't, let's pray. So let's go inside. So we go inside, and he prays a simple prayer. He says, Father, anoint your son. Fill him with the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, amen, and I was like, like a locomotive, I was just going. I was hungry. Yeah. I was on fire. Amen. I was on fire. Don't don't let people who criticize you, you know, that was a long time ago. The things we read about in the Bible, when, when, when did Jesus do them? Longer than you've been alive, yet it's there encouraging us today. What is written is written to give you hope. Amen. It's, it's your story. It's your life. All of it together. So you honor God and you build on it. Pressing on. But you don't forget your past. How are you going to know where you're going? When you have no idea who you are and whatever happened in your, your history. Are you with me? You must be able to stand on the foundations on which you were built. And if you have no foundation, well, God has given you a foundation. His name is Jesus Christ. So establish your life on him. Praise the Lord. Prayed in the spirit. Thank God for my life. Now we talked a little bit, and my brother came, talked, and then I left them. You know, they're talking more other Bible things. I just left them. I'm so excited. I went to my friends, you know, where they were gathered. I said, guys, oh, listen, 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 listen. There's this power. They're looking at me, and I'm excited. I said, you know, in Acts 1, 8, and then I tell them, and I said, in Acts 2, the power came there and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this power God gave to Jesus in Acts 10, 38. And you can have it too because he said in Acts 2, 38, I went through. I just, he just talked to me about it in the morning. So I just went and I told the guys. I said, okay, now, okay, you guys just kneel down. I'll pray for you right now. And you get the power. And I don't know. It was just all God because they knelt down. And I prayed for them. And three of them was, were like me. Praying in the Spirit. I'm excited. And then the brother was like, the other three, why are they not doing this thing that I, I got? So I came back home and told my brother, I said, this thing doesn't work. It works for some, it doesn't work for others. He said, what thing? I said, the power. He said, what? What are you talking about? I said, you know what I just got? I just, you know, went to my friends. I prayed for them. Only three of them out of six, you know, three of them. He said, what did you do? I said, well, you know, the so what did you tell him? And so I went over everything to the guy. I said, how do you know? I said, well, he just told me this morning, just a few hours ago. So he said, you remember all that? What that? It's, he just told me. Why would I forget? I, that's what I was thinking. Later, he said, you have a teaching anointing. I had no idea what that meant. 
it was just, it's just flowing, it's just flowing. But I mean, he's obviously more experienced, so he understands, like Eli and Samuel. He understood, I didn't. But I was just doing it. This was my history, this was my story. Been running ever since. Life in the spirit. He changed me. The power came, and I placed myself on the altar. Lord, I need something. I need something more, like something. Power, something to just live this life. God said, oh, you place yourself on the altar? I will give you, I will charge this battery. This, I'll charge this battery. I'll give you life to go. Ladies and gentlemen, since 18 January 1982, I have been running for God. Running for God. Amen. My younger son said something. One time, something we were talking about. He said, Dad, ever since I've known you, you've been going hard for God. I was like, wow. I didn't know I made that impression and impact on him. Thank you, Lord. Especially him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Second Peter 1, verse 4. So we did verse 3. Now let's look at verse 4. Praise the Lord. By the way, my brother taught me that I had to first tell them about receiving Christ and then pray for the baptism of the Spirit. He said, that's how you do it. You have to lead them to Christ first. So the other three who didn't pray in tongues weren't filled. Probably they were not born again. So I went back in the evening. I went back and word had spread and more guys had come together. And uh, one of them was the devil. One of them was like an agent. He's, he was like, forget, forget him. Forget what is this thing, you know, religion, forget him. You know, so Satan came in, tried to, you know, mess that up. But you can't play that with me. I always do better when I'm challenged. Yeah, if you don't want me to do well, just leave me alone. You know, put me on a the beach, then I forget that I'm supposed to be <laughs> on fire. That challenged me. And uh, thank God they came to Christ. God is good. Okay, Second Peter 1 verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises... Let me just ask you a question. Take a break. Ask a question. Where do you find God's promises? In the word. Okay. So, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises in the word, that by these, these what? These exceeding great and precious promises. By these. Laying on of hands is good, but he didn't say by laying on of hands. Amen. Supporting God's work financially is good. But it didn't say whatever we're about to read, God's going to do it for you when, you when you support financially. Or when that pastor on TV says, if you send me $10,000, then God's going to do a mighty work for you. That's a lie. That's, that's marketing. That's just a gimmick. That is misrepresenting God. 
Pastor, you say we shouldn't support the work of God. We should do it. We should do it cheerfully, joyfully. But we, nobody should make merchandise of us. And nobody should tell us that God will only help us if we give financially. He loved us before we were born. You say, well, how is that possible? I wasn't alive. Well, God knew you before you were born. And he had a plan for your life. He had a plan for your life. And he fulfilled that plan. He will fulfill it. That is because he's righteous. He does what is right. He only does what is right. And God will do right by you. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. That if you have to see a doctor or go through any medical procedure. That God will cause them to do what is right by you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the righteousness of God will prevail in that hospital, in that medical procedure, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for that in Jesus' name, that they will have the wisdom of God to do what is right by God for your body. They will not take anything out that must not be taken out. They will only take that out which does not belong there. What God did not plant in you must be taken out and shall be taken out. And I speak total recovery and healing by the power of God's spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. That supernatural power of Jesus, the virtue that went into the woman with the issue of blood that gave her life, may that come into you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are born again by the word of God that lives and abides forever. Amen. We are born again by the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest miracle that can ever happen in your life has already happened. To be born again. To become a new creation. God's poem. God's masterpiece. You understand masterpiece, right? God's, the best of his creation has happened. And that is you. Don't let anybody despise you, marginalize you. You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not beneath. You are God's own creation, God's handiwork. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God's spirit lives in you. And if God be for you, no one can be against you to overcome you. I declare over your life that you are free from diabetes if you have it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if you've never had it, you will never have it in Jesus' name. I say never for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever spirit of sickness, spirit of infirmity seeks to enter your house in the name of the Lord Jesus, the house of your body, that living sacrifice that you've presented unto God, I command in the name of the Lord Jesus that spirit to cease its operation in Jesus' matchless name. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I declare it will not enter your house in Jesus' name. 
whatever may have already entered by the same way it came I declare now that it leave it leaves in Jesus name and this is not by the power of man it is by the spirit of God God said I will do a new thing I will do it it's the same as Jesus said in Matthew 16. I will build my church. Ladies and gentlemen, God will build you up. God will build you up. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. He says, I know those who are mine. And I have set a mark, a seal, an inscription on them. These are mine. The foundation of God is sure. It is unshakable, invincible. You cannot move it. You are God's. God's garden. God's people. You belong to God. We did not create this name or make up this name. It was unbelievers in Antioch who looked at believers and they were like, wait a minute. These people, they quack like ducks. If they quack like ducks, must be ducks. All right. Actually, they said that they remind us of Yeshua, of the Mashiach. They remind us of this man of Galilee who was bold in the face of demons. He was bold in the face of death. He was bold. We remember him. And these people remind us of him. So they are like the Christos. They are like Christ. They are like Mashiach. So we are going to call them Mashianic people. They are like Christ. So we are going to call them Christians. They are from America. So we call them Americans. They are from Christ. So we call them Christians. Christ means anointed one. So we'll call them the people of what? The anointed one. Therefore they are the anointed ones of God. Give God praise. And the devil being so afraid of us getting this, understanding this, unfortunately brought some unscrupulous men and women in the church who taught us that they are the only ones who are anointed, but we, the rest of us, aren't anointed. And I taught you this last week from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. You have an unction or ointment or anointing from the Holy One. You have virtue from God. You have new life in the Spirit from God in you. That anointing does not come and go. That anointing is resident permanently in you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. And in verse 27, he says, the anointed you've received abides in you and you don't need any man to teach you. In the context, what he's saying, you don't need any man to teach you to lead you astray. 
And also, you don't need any man to teach you, telling you that you cannot know it, and only they know it, and they have to explain it to you. It used to be, in some part of the Christian church, historically, that they told the Christians, only the priests can understand the Bible. And so those Christians never read the Bible. They always wait, and they go for 30 minutes, and the priest tells them whatever the priest thinks from the Bible. It used to be. I don't know why they are still doing it. That's what God is saying in 1 John 2, 27. The anointing in you will teach you, and you don't need anybody to teach you, that is to tell you that you cannot know it, so they are the only ones who know it to teach you. Do you understand? Yeah, because when God said to the Jews, I'll bring a new I'll do a new thing and I'll make a new covenant, he said. When I bring this new covenant in Jeremiah 31, he's from 31 to 34. When I bring this new covenant, nobody will tell their brother or sister, you got to know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. How will they all know me? Because the anointing you have received abides in you, and the anointing teaches you. You have a spirit in you that bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You are an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to write a book by the grace of God about this subject. It's a very popular message now that almost, well, most pastors like preachers on the international scene, many churches are preaching. What's that popular message that most people are preaching today? Grace. Yes? Good message. By grace we are saved through faith. Amen. Only thing that's wrong about that part of the message they're preaching is whenever they keep telling you not to walk in the law, but to walk by grace. Majority of the church today, born again church today, is not Jewish. It is non-Jewish people who have believed in Messiah. Yes? We were never given the law. Come on. You and I had no law. God never gave us a law. So stop talking to Gentiles who have become born again as if they are Jews. You're preaching to the choir. That is not the message we need. I don't have any temptation as a former Gentile who has come to Christ to return to the law. I was not raised up to try to please God and accept my salvation by the law. So when you talk about it, I'm, I'm like, what? I never raised a lamb to try to bring it to God. I, mean, I never did all. So why are we telling people over and over that you have, it is God's undeserved favor? Do you know that now that we are born again, nobody needs to be telling us that we have God's undeserved favor? That's the book I'm going to write. 
all sinners, Jews, Gentiles, as sinners, need to be told, you deserved hell. You deserve the wrath of God. And I'm going to do this message. I'm sure Reverend Janice is also coming up with it. And the message is, but God. We deserved hell, but God. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you are now sanctified. You are now justified. You are now glorified by the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus. So it's time for the church to be told you have God's grace working in you to make you who you were created to be. And so the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, I am who and what I am. Makataya, Libra and By the grace of God, I am grace made. You are grace made. And then he said, and the work that I did. It was not me, Paul, who did it. But the grace of God, which was with me. Grace works. Grace doesn't only save you, but grace works miracles, signs, and wonders. Grace catapults you to heights of glory. Grace helps you take territories for the Lord. Grace helps you to become prosperous. Grace makes you healthy. Grace helps you to shake off the serpent into the fire. And you don't die of any toxin or any virus. Grace makes you strong. Hallelujah. Before we were saved, we deserved hell. But now we are saved. We are the children of God. And if children, then as, as of God and joined as with Christ. That is the message the church needs to be told. Not that I don't deserve. I don't deserve what? What? Where in the Bible did God say that? You will not find it. It is nowhere in the Bible. If you find it, write to us, email us. It's not in the Bible. It ain't there. That means it's not there. You, you take it? Thank you. That works. You are called out of darkness to show forth the excellencies of the living God. Amen. Alonzi, silver play. Amen. Come, please, let's go. Romans 8, where we started off from. Ladies and gentlemen, God will turn the hearts of fathers to sons and daughters. God will turn the hearts of mothers to daughters and their sons. God's working. It's a new work. He does it by his spirit. 
By the power of the Spirit, he will do it. God will turn the hearts of wives to husbands and the hearts of husbands to wives. He will do it by the power of his Spirit. These are new things. When God talks about a new thing that he's going to do, he's talking about the work that his Spirit will do. If the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, dwells in you, the Spirit, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will also make alive, quicken your mortal body. Amen. By the spirit that dwells in you. When? Now. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Look at it. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who walk, who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? No condemnation. Are you in Christ Jesus? There is no condemnation. Hallelujah. There is no condemnation. Praise the Lord. Just, just let the Bible explain that for a moment. Go to verse 33 and 34, please. Same chapter. Let the Bible explain no condemnation for those in Christ. Let's read verse 33 of Romans 8, 33 and 34, please. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Justifies means declared righteous. Now remember, we just read in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Remember that? Okay. Why did he say there's no condemnation? He explains it in verse 34. Who is he who can condemn you? Who? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So two things there. Nobody can condemn you because God justified you. How did you do it? In the death and resurrection of Jesus. Christ paid for your sins. God says, I have a right to declare somebody righteous because I took their sin. So I am right in declaring them righteous. So when the devil accuses you, God says, I am right to declare that person righteous as long as they lay themselves on Christ. Depend on Christ. Rely on Christ. His finished work. Remember that and remind the enemy of that when he comes accusing you. It is Christ who justified. Do you see it? You see how the Bible explains itself? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. A quick thing too. Something you can learn from right there. I was... God, for me, he anointed me to teach. He says, Christ died. But watch how he put it. He says, yea, rather. So what he's teaching the church is that as important as the death of Christ is, rather, or even more, the, the resurrection is greater.
His death stopped the devil, but his resurrection gave you new life. And that's what you got to focus on. So what made, what was the difference between the early church, the apostles taking the world for Jesus, and sometimes today we're struggling to do it? Because we're talking about the cross. They talked about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the cross, don't stop there. Move to the resurrection. They went everywhere telling people, listen, he's alive. And the spirit in you can help you live new life. Not by the power of man, but by the power of God's spirit. Whatever is against you, his spirit will crush it. The de- God will crush the devil under your feet. Assuming this, assuming that, let's say that uh, a person was dating somebody like Saul of Tarsus. Let's say you're dating Saul of Tarsus. That guy, he was a terrorist. You know, the terrorists, they have girlfriends and they have wives. and they have, You know, they're human beings, they're people. They do people things. People do people things. Yeah? So Saul is doing his thing. And then, you, so you know how he is, but you say you want to be with him or whatever. Uh, so or you are in this situation, you can't get out or whatever, say. And then one day he comes back home and you look at him. He's different. Just seeing him, you know he's, he's different. And he talks different. He acts different. I think some people are so messed up that when you change for the better, they don't like it. They can't handle you. I, I, I don't understand that. But there's some people who don't like godly people. They're like, come on now, let's just do the drugs thing. Let's just do, you know. Saul of Tarsus, he's just going about his terrorist ways. And then he meets Jesus. And he gets transformed just like that. May that happen to that green sheep of your family in Jesus' name. I said green on purpose. Believe God. Believe God. This Jesus is real. He sees everything. And whatever you commit to him, he's able to take care of it. And he's able to multiply it. Like the little boy with the two uh, uh, fish and, and uh, I mean, the two loaves and the five fish that he, uh, he gave to Jesus. Jesus multiplied it. Whatever God touches, God multiplies. Lay yourself on his altar. He will not kill you. You are a living sacrifice. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God for long? Continually. And when praise goes up, blessings come down. At midnight, in the midnight hour of their life, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. They prayed and they sang praises and the prisoners heard them. Not only that, but God heard. Amen. Sent an earthquake, localized, not around the community, but in the prison. Only God can do that. Only God can make dew fall on this little place that you say, Lord, I want to see a sign. And not touch the rest of the ground. Only God can do that. For those who don't walk by the word, who looks for signs. 
And then you're still not convinced. So you say, God, okay, I'll make it more difficult. All right, this time, not here. Let it fall everywhere, but not just here. I said, really? We're going to do this? <laughs> you're still not convinced that I raised the dead? You're still not convinced that I threw the stars in place? And I know each of them by name and number. You know, even though your pastor lost his hair, but your hair, I know, I count the number of hairs on your hair. Amen. I actually saw some cropping up last night, so I shaved it last night. I don't know why I do it at night, because I never actually do it right. And then Meg says, you left this back here, <laughs> back there. And sometimes it's too late. I'm coming to church. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just stand. I'll face them. They'll never see it. I get here, and I forget myself, and I'm like, uh, because I'm into this thing, baby. I'm into this thing. I'm into Jesus. That's all that matters to me. Hallelujah. There is no condemnation for you because God justified you. That's what we need to tell the church. Ladies and gentlemen, watch this. There's a difference between who you're going to become as a believer when all the messages you hear are always, you are down and you're going to need this. You're going to get this. You're going to get this. That's good, but it's better when you are trained and raised up as a mighty conqueror, mighty warrior, a soul winner, one who heals the sick, delivers the oppressed, when you are taught that you can do what the pastor is doing. The two types of believers. And the second type is what I'm called to do. To help you discover your calling, find your purpose and fulfill it. For you yourself to cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. To know this word and understand it for yourself. For example, the way that I explained to you in Romans 8 verse 1. And I said, go home, study this for yourself some more. That whenever he says, there's therefore. The moment you see therefore, you got to go back to why he's, what is it therefore? In Romans 8, we saw that. We saw it in Romans 12. Therefore, walk transformed. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Acceptable to God. This is your worship. Why? Because in chapter 11, God was faithful. In chapter 10, God was faithful. In chapter 9, God was faithful. In chapter 8, God was faithful. You just keep going back. And from the beginning, God was always faithful. He was gracious. He was merciful. You can go all the way to Genesis, and you're going to find that he was gracious. Some people don't know that. They're like, Mm, the God of the Old Testament was mean, but the God of the New Testament is nicer. You know, man, thank God for grace. But Old Testament stuff, man, that's scary. No, 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 no. There was grace in the Old Testament. Noah found grace in the sight of God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was told, you have found grace in the sight of God, and you are highly favored. Amen. 
and you are not, you are. The grace of God is the favor of God. It's on you and on your daughter. It's on you and on your son. It's on you and on your grandchildren. Please receive it. The grace of God, the favor of God. It is the gift of God. Nobody gives you a gift. Yeah. I call this, this lady. Are you okay to be on camera? Are you okay? If you're not, just, it's okay. Are you? Okay, just, just be seated. But I call her my, my mom. Can you imagine? So, uh, let's say, mom, I'm going to give you this gift, but you don't deserve it. Please be seated. Aha, uh-huh, I like that. Let's, let's act it out. How was, what was your reaction? Yeah. Any, anyone else? Yeah, please, relax. It's okay. You, you, you can object. I mean, let's, so, hello, mom. Uh, you know, uh, here's your gift, but you don't deserve it. Someone said, I don't want it. Someone said, keep it. Someone said, oh. I mean, you're revolted. Isn't that what we're doing to God? Probably never thought of it, but that's what we're doing to God. Telling the believers what they don't deserve. I will write this book. God will help me. Where did you see God give somebody a gift and God told the person, you don't deserve it? Why, why do we do that to him? Maybe that's why we don't have a lot of the miracles that we desire. Because we come from a place of weakness. When he said, come to the throne of grace boldly. Boldly. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. Boldly. To obtain mercy and to find grace to help you. We don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But he was he, he, he was touched, tempted in all points like as we are, yet he without sin. And he's able to help us. He's able to save us to the uttermost. I'm telling you today, there's new life in the spirit for you. And healing will come. Deliverance will come. Strength will come. Power will come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next year, when we do the book of Romans, register for that Bible college course. It'll just take you to realms that you're like, wow. You know, all that Israel is going through today and all that, it's nothing new. It's not new. Just about every generation from the time God called them, you look at their history. Every so often, you have that. Every so often, you have that. Nothing new. But this also shall pass. Because faithfully see who has called you, whether a, per, an, a lone person or a nation, and he will do it. Amen. It has nothing to do with God is partial or loves this person, doesn't love. No, no, no. God loves everybody. But what I'm talking about is this. God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, 
You bless him, I bless you. You curse him, I curse you. It's not because of Abraham, it's because of God. God calls you, he's called you. God chooses you, he's chosen you. And he'll defend you. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 9, and he says, if you look at the history of Israel, God in the past defended them and protected them. And then in Romans chapter 10, he says, if you look at right now what they are going through in Rome, God has been protecting them and watching over them. And in Romans 11, he says, that should tell you what he did in the past and what he's doing in the present. His resume, the way he's dealt with, with you. He has a track record that he's always just. He's always right. He protects his own. He covers his own. He keeps his own. He cannot deny himself. Even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. You think Israel does right all the time? No. They were an unfaithful wife to God. But he said, I'll do a new thing, and the woman shall return to her husband. Israel will return to me. So Romans 9 is God's work for Israel in the past. Romans 10 is God's work for Israel in the present at the time it was being written. Romans 11 is God's work of saving Israel, all Israel, in the future. All right? Because he's merciful. So he goes into Romans 12, and he says, looking at all that, God's past record of his mercies to Israel. Therefore, let us present ourselves to him. Give your life to him. Give the situation to him. And by his spirit, he will recharge your battery. By his spirit, virtue will come into your mortal body and will give you strength by his spirit, he will transform you. You no longer be conformed to this world, but by the word of God and the spirit of God, you will be sanctified, you will be changed, you will become whole, you will be rescued, you will salvage that part of you that would have been thrown away, you will get it back. Because a bruised reed he will not throw away, and a smoking wick he will not quench but he will heal you. Have you been emotionally tortured? He will heal you. Has your heart been broken up so that you don't hope for any good future? You reject any relationship that God is bringing into your life. Let the Lord heal you today. I'm telling you, there are new things God wants to do for you. And God says in Romans 12, therefore now, because of what I've done in the past, because what I did in the present, because you see my faithfulness, I never give up on people. Your children will be taught of the Lord. Therefore, you present yourself to him. And he will recharge your battery. I love you. God bless you. God, you are so good. Oh, somebody say, God, you are so good to me. Hallelujah, you are so good to me. Oh, give him praise, you are so good to me. Give him praise.
You are so good to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. We'll end the online part of the service. I want us to pray here in the sanctuary for maybe another five, ten minutes, maybe. But to be fair to the online audience and our members who are not with us, uh, this is the prayer we're going to pray now. Uh, the Spirit of God brought us there at the end of last service. And I want to lead you in prayer and, and bless you before you go. Then we all pray in the sanctuary. His ways are in the sanctuary. Sometimes it actually helps to be physically present. But we know that it's not possible for everybody if you are in another part of the world. So uh, this, is, this is it. Um, to get the new life. To have that life of the spirit, for God to change your life, you need to come to God. You need to go to God. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. See, you need to take a step. Everybody in the Bible that God used was doing something. Moses was watching flock, and God says, no, you're going to watch my people, you know? Everybody. Amen. Even David, before his life was changed, he was doing something. He's watching sheep. And God said, you watch Israel. And how did God change his life? God anointed him. A spirit rushed into him, and he was changed. Amen. This is what we're going to use to pray. The spirit rushed into David and changed him. Same as Saul, the spirit came upon him, he became another man. 1 Samuel 10, verse 6, he became another man. The spirit comes into you, a change. Therefore, if anybody be in Christ, it's a new creation. You must be born again. If you're born again, you're born of the spirit. The spirit changes you. So, to overcome whatever is ahead of you, whatever you've been dealing with, this is what David did. The spirit came upon him. And to enter this new realm of leadership, promotion that set him up to become king, he had to overcome Goliath. That was his barrier, the mountain before him. So we're going to pray now, and I'm going to pray with you, those who are online. Bible says David ran towards Goliath. I want us to take that posture, the spirit. Today, you're going to pray with me, and you're going to run towards that drug addiction, alcohol addiction, doubt, fear. You're going to run towards it. You know, that may be excessive weight that's taxing your heart that your doctor has been talking to you about. You know, and you've been struggling with, you just feel like, man, this is hard. I can't, I can't. You are not running to, to against it when you say, I can't. You get it? David sees the giant and he ran. And the moment he started running towards the giant, 
the giant got scared. I mean, if, if you are 9'6", and you got somebody who say, let, let's just, just be ridiculous to paint a picture. I'm not saying David was that. Right? But let's say he's 5'5". Five, five. You're 9'6". And you yourself saw him, and you, you called him pretty boy. Basically, the giant, Goliath called, you pretty boy, you, you, what you got? And then he starts coming against you. And, and so Goliath was like, wait a minute. No, that's not what pretty people do. So he's coming against me like this. He must have something else I can't see. He must have something. It was that thing that on January 19, 18, January 1982, I said to that young man, I feel like I need something more to help me in my Christian life. I feel like I need power. And he said, it's, it's in the Bible, it's the power of the Spirit. You see, you are anointed, but you're sitting there and you're allowing this besetting sin to whip you. You're allowing poverty, fear, mediocrity to whip you. Get up and run to it. And let it be afraid, not you. Philippians 1, it says that don't take their fear. And when they see that you don't take their fear, your boldness makes them afraid. Amen. When Mike Tyson was Mike Ty Tyson, before he got into the ring with people, the, the opponents were defeated. They were afraid of him. Fear immobilized them. Ran. Get up and ran. Know that you can lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily trips you up, telling you, you're chicken, you can't do this, I'll get you, you sin again, you fall again. Now know he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And if God be for me. Electra, drop the mic moment. No one. No one. So we're going to pray and say with David, by my God. I will leap over every wall and break through the troop. You don't leap if you are sitting, if you are laying down, if you are playing dead. You leap when you run towards the state. Amen. I used to do high jump in, in high school. Pretty good. Leap. You got to run. You got to run towards the obstacle. Got to take a leap. Is anybody ready to run to that thing? So you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring this Goliath that has been standing in front of my husband, hindering him in his career, in his health, or he's acting crazy. Let's just say there's no harmony in this home. You know, when he... That's drugs. I know that example doesn't apply to you guys, but do you understand, like, when he does drugs or alcohol, or he's, he gets with those, those friends. I've been praying that he gets new friends. Whatever it may be, bring it up right now as we're praying. Don't, don't tell me, don't say it, but bring it before the Lord. And he's saying, in the name of Jesus, the Lord strengthens my hands for war. And the bow of steel, David said that, is broken by my hands. By the power of God. That barrier before you, it will open in the name of Jesus. Are you ready?
So everybody online, especially those of you online, because the people in the church, after I close the service, I'll pray some more over them. But those of you online, and then for everybody right now, in the name of Jesus, bring that Goliath right now. See it. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, you tell it, I'm coming against you right now in the name of Jesus. Can you just, just see, see it? Bring that loved one before you. Call their name before the Lord. And lift up the name of Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the rod over the Red Sea. Take the name and lift up the name over that thing, that person, that situation, that Goliath in your office. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Or that spirit that has been attacking the family. In the name of Jesus. I touch and agree with you right here in the sanctuary and online. In Jesus' matchless name. We arrest the enemy. We arrest the enemy. I rebuke the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Satan, I command you to loose God's people in the name of Jesus and to loose their loved ones and let them go in Jesus' name. That voice that speaks to them to threaten them, to bring fear. Whatever that voice is, I command that voice to be shut. The mouths of the demons to be shut in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare you bound over the lives of God's people. Now you are loosed. Be loosed. Be loosed. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. If it is an infirmity, be loosed from that infirmity in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That spirit of poverty in the family I charge you, get out in Jesus' name. That spirit that works against the peace of God in the family, peace in the family, harmony in the relationship, I charge you, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Get out in the name of Jesus. May the peace of God. May the shalom of God, the very God of shalom peace, set God's people apart. Set their homes apart for his use, for his presence. May God who said into whichever house his ministers enter and are received by the people of that house. That they should command his peace to come. And his peace will come. I speak over you who have joined us online today. Who have opened up your lives and your homes. To God's anointing in this ministry. And to God's people who are here in the sanctuary. Your very presence says this. You have invited us to come as ministers of God into your home. The anointing on this ministry declares over you the darkness is over the darkness is over and the true light of jesus shines over you with salvation rescue healing deliverance peace power and prosperity for you who believe in god and trust in jesus and so in jesus matchless name i command god's peace into your home into your spirit, into your soul, into your body. May your whole being be set apart for God's use and not sickness, 
not infirmity, not confusion. In Jesus' name, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. From this day onward, may the Spirit of the Lord quicken you every day. And may you go from glory to glory by the Spirit of God as you behold His face. May you go from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, I declare your body healed. I declare your mind free from confusion. In Jesus' name. Begin to praise God, everybody online in the church. Praise God, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit, pray in your own language, thanking God. Go ahead, thank God, praise God with me. In the name of Jesus, come on, rise up, rise up, rise up. Even if you are home, right, stand up right now, it just... Physically, it just represents what you're doing in your spirit, rising up. So physically, just stand up. Stand to your feet right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we are running against, towards Goliath. We run towards Goliath. Makataya, Lady Bazuni Bakodias. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let that Goliath fall. Today, in Jesus' name, Rabba Satakaria, Ilibikai Saberi Adosaya, Andesai Taturi Abaya, Ikabasanto Lababaya. Go ahead and pray. Pray in your own language French, Spanish, English. Any language. Just pray right now. Pray in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, there is transformation. There is healing. There is deliverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Makasitele Bakoria. Azidi Bikatoli Andedi Bazuri Bakuria. The resurrection power of Christ works in you. Works in you. Works in you. Rabasan Delebekaya. Imazan Delebekaya. Imazan Tolo Baziri Ataya. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the mercies of God. May that sacrifice that you gave to God, the sacrifice of your prayer and your praise, the sacrifice of yourself, even turning from depending on yourself or anybody and bringing that issue to God right now, by his mercies, may God give life to that living sacrifice. Bring life to that sacrifice. Life to you, life to you, life to you by the power of his spirit in Jesus' name. Grace, grace unto you. This mountain before you has fallen. Ah, hear that in my spirit. The mountain before you has fallen. 
There's a joy. There's laughter in my spirit. There's a joy in my spirit on that word. There's great joy. The mountain has fallen. The mountain has fallen. The mountain has fallen in the name of the Lord Jesus. Goliath has fallen. The mountain has fallen in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. The mountain is buried in the sea and you see it no more. It is buried. It is buried. It is removed. Hallelujah. 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 By the spirit. Not by might. Not by power. By the spirit. Finally together. Both here in the sanctuary and online. Let's just thank God. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for healing you. Thank him for delivering you. Thank him for giving you new life today. New life. Lord, you have added life to our life. Thank you. There are certain moments in the presence of God that sometimes an extra 15 years can be added to a person's life. Yes. Say, Pastor, how? It happened for Hezekiah in one moment. One moment. He was going to die, turn his face away from all humans to the wall. I'm not looking at anybody. And he said, God, please. I, I, I ain't ready to go. I know I shouldn't be saying ain't, but, you know. I don't know how he said it in his language. But basically, you know, when, when you are at that place where only God can help you, you are yourself. You talk like who you are. Lord, no. No. Give me more life. And God said, okay, you got it. So what if he had not asked? What do you guys think would have happened if he had not asked? Do you see that? So sometimes things that happen in your life, you only go as far as you can go, not because of God, but because of you. God said, okay, you got it. He said, I got it? Well, thank you, but I need an assurance. So that man who came and told me that this was the end, tell him that's, that's not so. And before the prophet could leave the king's courtyard, before, God said, go back, tell the man he got 15 more years. Only God, thank you. You're going to make it. The Lord bless you. The Lord add life to your life. I commend you to God and to his word of grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance among the saints in light. Among all, call on Jesus as Lord. The Lord add strength to your strength. Add life to your life. Health to you, peace to you. Increase for you 
and all yours. In the name of the Father, name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, by the faith of God, we all call it done. In Jesus' much less name. And we say, Amen. Glad you. Glory adieu. Gloria adios. Ah, somebody say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Obrigado, Senor. Hallelujah. Merci, Papa. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Give him praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor Sandra is going to come and lead us and the online church to give unto God just very quickly. And then we close the service. I'm going to come right back. And for five minutes, I want to pray with those in the sanctuary. All right. Please give me five minutes of your time and uh, we will deal with some spiritual things. Some things in Acts 16, you go, you watch, you go, you watch, you wait, you wait, and then you come and you deal with the spirit as Paul did. Amen. So I'm going to come back and do that. Let's welcome Pastor Sandra to lead us in giving tithes and offerings to God, both in the church and online. And then I'll be right back. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our God is God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We give God praise. Amen. For his love. Glory to God. And his power in demonstration. Glory to God. So this is the opportunity for you to give back to the ministry. I give God glory for Pastor. You know, we're so fortunate to have a man who honors God and shows us the way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pastor, we love you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this is our opportunity to give back. And we have three ways for you to do that. You can give through uh, Zelle. Uh, and if you're doing it that way, it's to World Missions Ministries. The Zelle code is 571-234-2387. I repeat. 571-234-2387. If you'd like to give through PayPal, you can just go to our website, www.wmmchurch.org, and press the donate button. You can also, we always have a way to do things the old way. Glory to God. That's by check or money order. And if you'd like to do that, just make the check payable either to World Missions Ministries or to WMM. And you can mail it to us here at our headquarters office where we assemble regularly. Glory to God. Amen. And the address here is 6805 East Clinton Street. We're in Clinton, Maryland. The zip code here is 2077. I'm sorry. Excuse me. God, forgive me. Excuse me. 20735. And we're in the U.S. of A. 
Glory to God. So for anybody donating from outside the country, just know USA. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's just hold our offerings before the Lord. Hallelujah. And let's pray. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. It is you that gives us the power to get wealth, that we might establish your work in the earth. We thank you that in WMM, we never coerce people to give. We want you to be a cheerful giver. And we declare right now, hallelujah, that as you give, it is given back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over men giveth into your bosom. And I declare that your mortgages are paid. I declare that the mortgage on this church is also paid. And I give God glory and praise that as you go, the light is shining on your pathway. To God be the glory for what he's already begun in you, that he's well able to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Go in peace to serve the Lord and let brotherly love continue. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank God. Hallelujah. We give God glory for your life. Go in peace. Hallelujah. To serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you and keep you. And as you go, this will conclude our online version of the, of the service, and we'll continue here. So come, amen, so you can continue. Glory to God. Have a blessed day in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.